Hey, welcome to the Micro Entrepreneur Podcast, The Magic of Thinking Small. I am Julie Hall, the founder of microentrepreneur.biz and womenunlimitedworldwide.com, the UK's most popular women in business website. On this podcast, my main goal is to help you with marketing, mindset, and smart business strategies to help you build a successful micro business. Listen weekly as I share with you the proven strategies and tips on how to build and grow your micro business from real micro business owners just like you. Make sure you head over to microentrepreneur.biz and sign up to get a copy of my business tools that I couldn't live without. And I look forward to connecting with you over there. Now on to the show. Hey, and welcome to episode 30 of Micro Entrepreneur, The Magic of Being Small. You can find the show notes for this episode at microentrepreneur.biz forward slash 30, nice and easy. And we've got a great show for you today. I spoke with Steve Scott, who is a author entrepreneur, and he shares about his business strategy, how he's built and grown his successful business, very successful business, and his plans for the future. And before we get into the show, I'm just going to talk about a couple of things. One is, is actually the power of choosing keywords for your year. And I first heard this a couple of years ago, and, and I think it's a really great way of creating focus. It's not about resolutions. It's about changing those habits or those behaviors that perhaps are stopping you from achieving all that you want to achieve. So my focus words this year are commitment and follow through. And that's because I had a realization, a bit of an epiphany really, about how I was operating in my business. And while I definitely am committed to quality and committed to doing the things that I say I'm going to do, sometimes I think I don't do as much as I could do and find myself kind of shooting off in all sorts of different directions rather than focusing on a few things that are going to really help me accomplish my goals. Which brings me on to the next thing that I wanted to mention is I'm reading the most awesome book at the moment. It is called Essentialism by Greg McKeown. And we'll put a link to it in the show notes. But um, it's a fantastic book because it really forces you to think about what are the most important things in your life and in your business because we have a tendency to try and do it all be all be all to everybody be a, a great parent be a great partner be a great business person be a great friend be successful in business uh, be a great client be great be a great supplier and actually when we try and do too much something has got to give and uh, and if we don't make prioritize the right things, then we just end up spending most of our lives chasing our tails. And I know that that's something that I definitely have felt quite recently. This book has been a bit of a revelation. It sounds bleeding obvious, but the reality is, is that I think we just take on too much generally in our lives. And reading this has helped me to think about What are the things that are non-negotiable in my life and in my business? What are the absolute top priorities? And how am I going to make sure that those things get the time that they need so that I can achieve my goals and objectives for the year, both personally 
and professionally. And uh, he's got some really great tips in there. One of one of the ones that I literally just read before I started re- doing this podcast was his 90% rule. Basically, the rule is if something doesn't achieve or isn't 90% good enough, then you bid it. Now, 90% is a pretty high benchmark. But actually, given how little time and it how little energy we have, if we are spending time doing the things that are kind of 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10, then we're not doing our best work and we're not focusing, we're not hiring the best people, we're not working with the best people, we're not putting in the best amount of effort into things. And I I think the 90% target is a tough one, but actually it's one that I'm really going to strive for this year in my business and just doing the stuff that's 90% and cutting all the rest. Because actually by doing that, it should hopefully free me up to do all sorts of amazing things in other aspects of my life. So the main principle of the essentialism uh, movement, if you like, is that less is better or less but better. So it's not about just doing less, it's doing less and achieving more as a result of it. I do recommend that you pick it up. Definitely a great book and hopefully you should enjoy it. And it's quite interesting, it kind of ties into, I sent out a, an email last week to my Women Unlimited group and, um, and and in the body of the email I asked, I Basically, I'd said that one of the things that I was starting to do was close my laptop at six o'clock. Now, actually, that's a bit of a lie because as I record this, it is 7.35 on a, on a Monday evening. But as soon as I'm done with this, I'm, the, the computer is going to bed. And I asked people, you know, how, to, how do they create space in their lives? And I was astounded at the response that I got. Um, some people were just like, wow, six o'clock, that's hardcore. You know, and other people, you know, other people were like, oh, well, you know, it's just about prioritizing. I only work between nine and three. And I'm like, wow, you know, I really aspire to get to that, but I'm not there yet. So I'm going to be putting a post up with some of the, the suggestions that came up. But I'm interested to know what you do to create more space in your life and in your business. Because I think it's, I do think it's really important. And in fact, one of the things that Greg talks about in the book is the importance of creating space in your life because actually if we're flat out all the time there's no room for creativity or fresh ideas or new ways of working and I definitely have found that myself if I work too late into the evening my brain feels fuzzy I don't sleep very well I wake up in the middle of the night with my thoughts charging through my head and it's not really not a lot of fun so I'm really interested to know what you do to create space in your life. So email me julie at microentrepreneur.biz and let me know what your tips and secrets are and I'll share them on the show next week. And I'd also like to thank uh, Jackie Hatton and Liz Truckle for sending me over a couple of podcasts with two female presenters. Very useful and really interesting to listen to. So thanks very much, guys. We are moving to a new podcast time. So we're going to be releasing our podcasts on Tuesday and Wednesday from now on instead of Fridays. And I hope you have a brilliant week and I'll catch up with you next time. Take care. Hi, and welcome to the Micro Entrepreneur Podcast. Today with me, I have Steve Scott. Hi, Steve. 
Hi, Julie. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Steve is an author, entrepreneur, a best-selling Amazon writer. Um, I've actually bought a, a couple of his books, but you have 42 books. Is that right, Steve? 40-ish. I'm really at the point I don't really... I know it's on the, <laughs> the upper 40s because... I have a couple of foreign translations and I forgot to really track them. So it's, it's mid 40s. Right. So a lot of books and, (laughs) (laughs) and he writes on subjects from internet marketing to self publishing to uh, productivity and habits. And your most successful book was a book called habit stacking, right? Uh, yes, that that's been. If you, there's the eighty twenty rule, that's kind of been almost eighty percent, not maybe eighty percent of my income, but a substantial part of it has been that that one particular book. Well, I think your story is a really interesting one, and I and I will talk about habit stacking and what happened there. Um, but also, I'd like to talk about your business model in general, so how you earn a living and what it what it means to be an authorpreneur, and also if we can talk a little bit about your internet marketing history because I think. That's probably gone a long way to um, defining the strategy that you're employing now. Would you say that's true? Oh, absolutely. I, I've taken kind of what I learned in the eight years before I got into self-publishing and, and tried to apply it towards the actual authorpreneur type of model. So definitely the kind of make, making my bones leading up to self-publishing has kind of given me a competitive advantage, I feel. Fantastic. Well, so tell us tell us about your kind of early stage, stages in business, what you did and how your businesses or business has developed from there. Sure thing. Um, I tell a story a lot. So and I know it's, it's shorter podcast. So I'll, I'll give the very much Cliff Notes version. But uh, I got into Internet business in 2004. So over a decade ago. And like a lot of people, I struggled the first couple of years. I tried a number of different models. Um, I sold Evil Eye Jewelry, which is kind of a random website that actually was somewhat successful at first. Uh, but I definitely fell prey to the get-rich-quick mentality of you don't really need to work hard to actually build a lasting business, which is complete nonsense. <laughs> uh, eventually, in 2006, I got into affiliate marketing, and I actually sat down. I paid a substantial amount of money. I think it was $2,000 or one thing. It was money I didn't have at the time, but kind of what that really gave me was the ability that, hey, I spent a lot of money that I don't have. I really should just sit down and apply whatever this person is teaching. And what he really drove home the point of was building an email list and pretty much structuring your entire business around building an email list. And when people are on your email list, you can send them offers. You can send them free content. You can build a relationship. All all's done through email marketing. And after a year or so, I really I, – I built a nice – steady income from affiliate marketing and actually that supported me uh, I finally st- shut down my last affiliate site about a couple months ago but that's a, that sustained me from 2006 all the way up until the point I was into self-publishing can I just pause you there for a second yes. Steve so what were you selling when you were doing that it was a number of things it was um, diet exercise dating offers it was it was a lot of stuff that it made money but it really wasn't my true passion eventually I just got the point I'm like you know what just Having all these other sites out there, even though they were generating income, I just it was kind of weighing on my mind. Like I needed to do something for, it, I need to build, it. and just getting rid of the sites literally just kind of freed my mind up to just mm. focus on other things. Yeah, I get that. I've had a couple businesses running side by side at times, and it's hard. I I find it hard to focus when I when I'm trying to run two different businesses. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it it was just a decision I made that I'm fully invested in self-publishing, so I might as well act like I'm fully invested. So cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, um, 
I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and just before we move on, so you used email marketing, which is a great lead-in for me because I'm running an email marketing course in February. Oh, nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> but, um, uh, but what did you do specifically to build your email list? What, you know, if you were just to give people a couple of tips um, right now, what would you suggest? Well, it's hard because what really worked for me with uh, building my email list for affiliate marketing really doesn't work anymore. And a lot of that was easingarticles.com. And anyone has been around for a long time might remember that easing articles, you could just write a bunch of shorter blog posts, I could say blog posts, shorter articles, post them on easing articles, and they would rank naturally in Google, um, the certain Google search engines. So you could write on a bunch of topics, pick a keyword, and just create a whole little system where you're writing short articles, and at the end you have a author link that goes over to your squeeze page. And I did that YouTube marketing. There's uh, uh, SEO. I did a lot of stuff that was easy to rank for in the search engines, and I would generate a lot of traffic just through organic search results. And that really just doesn't work anymore because mm-hmm. of the various um, penguin, panda, I don't know, snowball, <laughs> penguin. I, I get confused with all the different uh, updates that Google does. But eventually, Google pretty much closed the loophole on being able to just write a lot of short, not very good content, to be honest, yeah. and and let people join your emails through that. So I really had to figure out a way to pivot. And really, my pivoting was getting into self-publishing at first. It was more of a traffic meant uh, model for me. And, and I realized that this is an actual viable business model if you put the effort into it. So what does the business model look like? Business models, um, for me, it's very simple. And kind of what how I stumbled into it was I just wanted, like I mentioned, I just wanted more traffic to my blog. And what I realized that instead of really focusing on writing these really long blog posts, uh, what would what would happen if you actually really just drilled down on into one topic and and write a whole book about one particular topic and the analogy I've heard and actually I'm starting to use it a lot now is an inch wide a mile deep you just find one topic and you really dive into that one particular topic and give everything all the possible information you can about that topic so as an example when I first got started instead of writing about Kindle publishing I didn't really feel like I had the necessary background to write about writing book or even marketing book, but I definitely knew about researching book ideas because that's what I spent a couple of months kind of geeking out on that sort of stuff. So instead of trying to come out with a huge, massive compendium about Kindle, Kindle publishing, I just wrote a book about finding uh, nonfiction book ideas. So same thing is you take a large topic and you really break it down into specific books. And that's kind of been my model ever since then is just taking one topic, really diving into it instead of trying to write a longer book that tries to answer every possible question, every possible question that people have about a larger topic. Mm. And what is the biggest challenge that you found with doing that? It's verbal diarrhea. Sometimes it's hard because you want to talk about all these other things because you feel they're tangentially important. But then you really have to. For me, I, I at least I find it. It's sometimes it's hard not to go in into the weeds talking about a bunch of different topics. I really have to focus in on what the actual promise is. And I just, for me, I find that outlining has really, outlining has really helped me kind of writing what I want to talk about before I actually put a uh, pen to paper or type it out. Just having that kind of formative thinking before you really try to write a book has really helped me streamline the whole process. And how many words are your books that you're writing at the moment? Uh, it depends on when you ask me this question. I, when I first got started, I was doing anywhere from thirteen to 15,000 words. Um, for a while, I tried to up it to 15 to 25-ish. Lately, my books have been in the 35,000-word range, and I'm starting 
the last couple, while I like them, I feel that I kind of broke my rule of trying to cover too much in a single book. Mm. And I feel now that for me, the sweet spot's going to be anywhere from 20-ish to 30-ish. I'm trying, just from a productivity standpoint and actually getting the audiobook version and trying to do all this post-production stuff I'm getting into, I find that longer books are actually kind of running counterintuitive to what's actually worked for my business model. Now, you've written a lot of books. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you must, I don't know, how do, you, how do you do that? How do you turn out so many books in such a short period of time? Uh, a couple of things. Well, first off, I have to give credit where credit's due. The last couple of books, the longer ones, I've worked with a partner, uh, Rebecca Livermore. So having someone else to do some of the process has definitely helped me. Whereas I'll send her a, a really long outline, anywhere from ten to 15,000 words, and she'll write a really good rough draft, and I'll just go over the rough draft, clean things up, add my perspective, and then I'll do the post-production stuff. So definitely having someone to work with has helped. But for me, and it, it, I just not only – not only am I a member, I'm a, I'm sorry, that old hair club for men, not only am I the president, I'm a member, but not only do I talk about habits, I really try implementing habits in my life. And it really, for me, it's been getting up every single morning and focusing on content creation. I used to say I'd get up every single morning and focus on writing, but because of the podcast, the daily nature of the podcast, I'm finding myself lately more creating podcast episodes instead of it uh, writing, but definitely making time for writing. So I would say when I'm really into writing a Kindle book, I'll set aside an hour to three hours upwards of sometimes four or five hours a day writing, and I just structure my entire day around that. And I'm very deliberate with how I structure my time where I don't like answering email or doing social media until late afternoon when my energy levels are a little bit lower. That I feel like I've done the important stuff, so I have now the kind of the luxury of actually getting into my inbox and talking to people. So to answer your, your original question, I, I would say for me, it's just really being very disciplined with my writing and, and making that a priority over pretty much everything else. Now, you are actually really public about how much you earn. You put up a quarterly report um, after every quarter. How do you, I don't know, I mean, it, it, that feels like a really brave thing to do. Was it difficult when you first did that? Oh, I still question that every single day. I, when I started that, and I, I, I make the joke, but it really is true. If I, when I started that, if I knew that these cert, certain books would take off the way they did, I probably would have kept my mouth shut. Really? But Yeah, I guess because I also find that it's suddenly everyone now on Amazon's a habits expert, whereas when I first started that <laughs> model, there's maybe one or two books, and it was Charles Duhigg, a couple of our people wrote some really good books about habits, but as a Kindle publisher, really no one else is talking. Suddenly, ironically, there's tons of habit books. So I'm trying to figure out where all these habits experts came from. But so that's my, my snarky response. But uh, but I, it, it's very scary. And But actually, I guess it's – and I, I don't want to take credit for it. I, origin, I got the original idea from Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income, and he does a, a wonderful job at being very transparent with his business. And John Lee Dumas now does it with his Entrepreneur on Fire. And I, I feel lots of businesses see the value of being transparent. And I don't know why, but I find that all these quarterly reports are the things that people most share, most talk about. And for me, it just seems like kind of humble bragging where I'm just talking about myself the whole time. I just – I guess there is value there because I talk about all the business uh, lessons I've learned, but it seems for me, it seems like a very odd thing for people to resonate with instead of talking about specific strategies and stuff that I've, that I actually tried telling people, Hey, this is stuff that's actually working for me. It seems people more resonate with the actual income. Yeah. Well, I think it's part of the whole get rich thing quick thing, isn't it? People, it's inspirational to see other people making money. 
yeah, I I think so. But I also I starting to see the downside of it. Whereas people think that it's just it's easy, and it's definitely not easy. And I tried banging that drum a lot, but I do get the occasional email just asking how they can how people can make ten thousand dollars in Kindle publishing in three months. I'm like, I I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, if only. So, um, so tell it. So you had a breakthrough book, which was um, habit stacking. Tell us what happened and and how that what, what you think happened there. I think, and I've tried to answer this question a couple of times. I really wish I had a better answer than what I'm about to give, but I think just having the combination of a good platform. So I had my email list. I had blog readers, I had a, a pretty good following, not a, a huge following, but I had a, a substantial following and I had a following that also I trained people just to go buy the book on Amazon at 99 cents. That's kind of been part of my launch strategy is pricing it really low in the first week. And by p- having a lot of people buying in a short span of time, it helps with the algorithm on Amazon. So I think having that platform in place, I think the hook of the title really was a pretty good one. And I've written 40 books like we talked about. Maybe that was the one time I wrote a really good hook and the other ones have been not so good. But um, just the idea of habit stacking, I think the subtitle was 97 small life changes that take five minutes or less. I guess it described that these are small little habits that you can add to your life, stack them on top of each other, and you could build a positive routine just by adding a bunch of positive habits in a small span of time. So maybe the promise was something that people felt was easy to implement in their own lives. And to be honest, that that's my worst review books as well. So I feel that maybe the message behind it was kind of lost and maybe my writing wasn't as, as quality. And that's actually the one book I'm actually writing in the next couple of months. I really wanted to release a better, more improved version of that book because it just bothers me having seen so many, many of those negative reviews. But I guess the point of just having a good hook having a platform but everything else I did I followed the same exact model I did with all my other books so I wish I had some secret of what made that one successful over the others but I think maybe another uh, tidbit I put out there is just being consistent with your writing and just you never know when one book will take off and I've heard interviews with Hugh Howley and he talks about how wool the, the, the book wool or the series wool how that was a random success for him and he was out there writing a lot of books and for some reason people resonated with that one short story and once he found that people really liked that book, he just leapt on it and wrote a bunch of follow-ups to it. Which is exactly what you did. Yeah, exactly. And I, I find that maybe that that focusing on the actual habit stuff and productivity stuff, that seemed to work for me. So I tried to focus on that. And now only recently am I starting to get into other stuff. Like I'm writing a book about exercising every day. And I'm trying to get into other facets of my life that I enjoy that I want to talk about. So, But I definitely find that when you focus in – even though I talk about habits, even focusing on a smaller scale on productivity habits and success habits, somehow I'm building a mini audience within the actual habit type of uh, market. Now, I kind of want to leverage that into other types of habits. So we'll talk a little bit more about your the model that you're following now, and then we'll talk about some of the habits perhaps that we can employ as micro entrepreneurs, because I actually know you've got a book that's specifically for entrepreneurs, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, and that, that, that's actually one I, I'd I like a lot because I feel it's a lot of stuff that I personally had to learn over the last 10 years. So yeah. I like, sorry, go ahead. So what is the, what is the model that you use when you're first launching a book? Um, it's really, I don't really have a huge fancy process and I guess it's just doing the right things ahead of time. But 
I have a substantial email list, and that's actually what I learned from way back when with affiliate marketing, is just build up the email list, talk to them on a regular basis. And what I'm starting to do now is I'm starting to sow the seeds ahead of time, a month or two ahead of, of writing a book. I'll just simply email my list and say, hey, I'm writing about this topic. What is the one thing you'd like to learn about? And that's kind of the old marketing technique of just start polling the people that follow you and ask them what they want to learn about. Like, uh, down the road, I'm actually partnering with Barry Davenport on a declutter book, and she's more of a knowledge expert than I am, but I just want to find out my list of who actually wants to learn about de decluttering habits, so I just simply emailed them asking them what they want to learn about, and I got 300 responses back. So when you pulled the people that follow you, you'd be surprised about how much good information you get from that. But yeah, as far it's really it's powerful. I was just going to say it's really powerful. I did the same thing for my email marketing and got exactly the same number of responses, 295 I got, which was just phenomenal. Yeah. So your, your inbox blows up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so about the, the product launch, I actually, I feel that for some reason that actually I really want to be honest and tell people that I strictly focus on Amazon right now with a few other kind of side ventures like affiliate marketing, translation, audiobooks, print books, but it's mostly an Amazon model. And if you ever listen to my podcast, I, I really I try to drive home the point that it is a more profitable model right now, but it's also the most dangerous because you're putting everything on Amazon's baskets. But I just find that right now it's what's working most for me. So I just I'm really focused on Amazon. But so my launch really is just about trying to get Amazon to love my book as much as possible. So instead of trying to launch and all these different websites all at once, I try to do a slow rollout. So on Monday, it, I usually like to launch on a Monday. So on Monday, I'll email my develop good habits list. On Tuesday, I'll email my Steve Scott kind of internet marketing type of list. And I find even though they're more interested about publishing and internet marketing, that I definitely get some sales from that, that group of people. And then once I hop on the Twitters and the Facebook and uh, go to a couple of groups and provide a couple of lessons about publishing a book, but also promote my book. And then Thursday, it's a follow-up email to the first list. And I tried timing these things almost in a sequence where I'm constantly pushing traffic to Amazon, having them buy my 99-cent book. And eventually, Amazon starts to do the heavy lifting for me, and they start to promote it. Um, their customer also bought uh, their email campaign, uh, the top 100 list. So, so once you push a lot of traffic over a steady period of time at Amazon, they start to recognize it as a book that people want, and then they start promoting it for you. And obviously, this is more of a tactic than a strategy because this this uh, tactic might not work in a year from now. But I just find right now it's what's working for me. But I really just focus on building my own platform and using my own platform to push my own books. And I just find for all the entrepreneurs out there, I find that when you build your own type of following, that's really the best way to build any type of business. It's just build your uh, true fans who know, like, and trust you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so you have you have different groups of people that follow you. Are you managing a number of different sites for that? I am definitely trying to streamline that. I manage technically right now. I manage three sites: uh, Develop Good Habits, which is a blog, and I'm actually going to try turning it into a multi-author blog. That I, I'm more the quote-unquote publisher than the actual writer. So that's actually one of my 2015 goals. So there's that site, and I hope eventually that will be really kind of left on its own, and I don't really have to worry about it besides just looking at what's being done. There's Steve Scott's site, which I we mentioned before. That's actually the original internet marketing blog, but I actually have plans eventually to start to phase that out and try to move my entire audience over to my new site, uh, self-publishing questions, and that's that's my daily podcast. And I try to write show notes, and I, I'm trying to do everything self-publishing on that one particular podcast page and trying to 
um, build on that platform and says Steve Scott site because there's a lot of old blog posts that really I don't feel offer value and having a part of my brand I feel it actually is a disservice to my readers so I just know that putting everything about self-publishing in one location and having that be the only location would really be a, it would be more of a long-term help than actually having people sort through old blog posts about affiliate marketing that a lot of stuff really no longer works yeah yeah so self-publishing podcast question no, sorry. It? Self publishing questions. Because there is a self publishing podcast. It's actually my favorite podcast, but self publishing is a good keyword. So I picked the self pub. I feel weird because I, I get myself confused sometimes. I'll be doing an intro. So self publishing podcast. I'm like, nope, that's Johnny, Sean, Dave. That's not me. <laughs> so I try to be very particular and call it the self publishing questions show. I try not to even use the word podcast because I trip myself up all the time with that. <laughs> So that's just launched, hasn't it, on the 1st of January? Uh, yes. So I've, I've tried to keep the daily schedule. So I guess now I'm at episode 21 or 22-ish. Yeah, I think it's 21 that I, I posted today. That's amazing. Yeah, daily podcasts? It, it's hard. It's uh, The idea there is I just – people call in or email in with a question. I spend an entire episode answering that one question. But it's, I would say it's more short form. It's more 5 to 15 minutes, but it – even that takes a while because I have to create the notes for it, my kind of outline and do the actual podcast itself and then do all the, the supporting. I do have someone to write the show notes, but kind of putting all those moving parts together. But it's it's a learning curve right now. <laughs> I'll bet. So um, let's talk about habits that we can employ as micro business owners that are going to serve us. I mean, obviously, we can't go through all 97, but you actually, oh, is it 33 in your, there's, it's 33 in your Entrepreneur's Habits book, isn't it? Yes. See, I did um, read it. All right. <laughs> so what what are a couple that that we should be looking at as micro-business owners? I would say for me, the one that had the basic success for me, and I definitely talk about it in that book, is the idea of most important things. And I want to give credit where credit due. That's actually a concept I picked up by Leo Babado of zenhabits.net. And what he talks about is you sit down at your desk or sit down at whatever business that you're doing um, in the morning and you write down two to three tasks that you have to do by the end of the day. But the point here is these would be two to three high-value tasks and these are things that really like move the needle for your business. So if you're a salesperson, then you should write down, I will make X amount of sales calls. So like If you think that seven sales calls will really help your business, then write down, I will make seven sales calls. If you're a writer, then I will write 2,000 words or whatever. Whatever you know you can accomplish in a given day. If you don't have a lot of time, then obviously write 500 words or make two sales calls. But the idea here is really pinpoint the actual things that will help your business. And to use the very famous concept, there's something called the 80-20 rule. Yeah. It's you want to identify the, the activities that produce 80% of your business and you want to spend your high energy level, the first part of the day for most people, just focusing on those one or two things or three things that really drive your business forward. And I'm, I always wake up, I have a, I have a uh, sticky note, a um, just a post-it note. I just write down. And I like the sticky note because it's a small small tiny things so you can't write you can't write seven or eight tests you just have to write a couple of them and really what I would emphasize to people listening is you want to spend the first part of your day just focusing on those activities and you want to be precise for the actual outcome but then you want to spend your time doing that and what I find a lot of people do and what I used to do myself is a lot of people a lot of times people tend to wake up and they focus on the small wins they think that going through their email or going through social media really helps their business with it definitely does help but it's not 
it's not the most important thing. I would say the most important thing is whatever people are paying you money for, whatever activity actually the, the, what brings in the money. I would say you want to focus on those those particular habits. And I, I would say from there, just really, I, I'm a big project list person. Again, I, I I tend to borrow from from great people, and I love David Allen's approach of instead of actually letting a project weigh in on your mind and think, oh, I have to do X, Y, Z. Sit down, write the actual specific steps, and be very specific. I'd, I'd call Frank about a price quote, stuff like that. You want to literally write step by step what you have to do to go from a from the beginning of a project to an end of a project, and then um, just just start writing start writing down the specific tasks into your regular to do list. Like I have my sticky list, and I also have my regular daily to do list of other stuff that is important but not quite as important as those uh, first couple of things. But um, yeah, I'll let you jump in if you, you had any questions. <laughs> I, no, I no, talk that's all good. No, keep keep going. It's it's really interesting because I I hadn't one I hadn't thought of having a sticky note first thing in the morning because that would just be far too organized. Yeah. What would you suggest for? Which is a good point for me. What would you suggest for somebody who isn't particularly organized? I would say it's it's an ongoing thing. Um, I've I've had to learn this over the course of ten years, and I think what people run into trouble with, and I, it's a perfect time of year to talk about this, is the New Year's resolution type model where they try fixing their entire life all at once, I would say on a regular basis, anywhere from, as far as forming habits, anywhere from 21 days upwards of 66 days is different people have different opinions about how long it takes to form a habit. But I would say you really want to focus on making one small change at a time. So what's helped me is having a morning routine. Uh, getting up every, every single morning, knocking out off a bunch of small habits that help my more my personal life than instead of my professional life. But it would be a mistake to try to wake up and try to do 15 habits all at once because eventually you'll reach the point where you're late for work and you just ditch the habit. And in the next day, like, well, I ditched the habit, might as well do it again. And you start to build up that negative uh, snowball effect where you're just not doing that one habit that you that group of habits that you want to try building. So what would be better? would be just to form the habit of just getting up in the morning. So if you want to get up in the morning and do a bunch of things, fine, do that. But develop the habit of getting up in the morning and just do something fun. So set the alarm clock for a half, half hour earlier. And you don't necessarily have to do something productive past that point. Just develop the habit of getting up 30 minutes earlier and just, hell, just watch a TV show, read a book, like just do something that you enjoy and you'll develop the habit of over the course of 30 days, 90 days, or 60 days, you'll start to get up earlier and then start to add one or two habits to that routine. So to answer your, your question, you really just want to focus on adding small changes to your life a little bit at a time. And actually a great course for that is Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg. Just go to tinyhabits.com. Or actually my friend Stephen Geis, he has a book called Mini Habits as well. kind of talks about the similar thing. But the idea here is you really want to create really small goals and it's more about just keeping the streak instead of hitting a certain metric. So if you wanted to be a, a successful writer, instead of trying to set a goal of writing 2,000 words a day, that would really – it's daunting. It's really hard to do, and I I still struggle with that even though I've consistently done that. You would want to set a really super easy goal like write a paragraph or write a sentence, something that you know you can absolutely commit to no matter what happens in your day. And you start to form that muscle memory of just doing it on a consistent basis. I'm going to go off topic, but it, <laughs> an idea came into my head when, when you were talking. For a business owner, um, do you think it's more worthwhile to create a mini book like the, you know, a, a small book like the type that you create or invest that time in, in blog posts? 
you know, create it, a substantial piece of content versus a smaller pieces? I would say it really depends. Um, I hate to give you a non-specific answer, but I know the longer books, uh, like the ones that really, they're more for speaking, more for coaching. If you're, if you have a model where you're making money as an authority, as someone you want to get hired for your services, I would say a long kind of pillar content piece of book would really help. Um, build your model. Mini books for me is kind of more of a business model where I, I like to focus on on small problems. I charge a low price point, anywhere from ninety nine cents to two ninety nine. But if you're trying to build authority, it's more about just getting your name out there and getting people to um, check out your content for a larger price point. So, say you sell a coaching service for a thousand dollars, then I would say maybe the daily consistent content would really help or. Uh, either writing daily blog posts or uh, daily YouTube videos, or, or re- I don't necessarily say daily, but regular YouTube videos, blog posts, or even podcasts, like that sort of thing. I'd, I'd really say, say really sit down and figure out what you want to do. For me, writing consistent small books is really just how, that's how pretty much I generate my income. So I really say I would say it depends on that situation. It's the the short answer. And how many books uh, how how many books do you produce in a year? It really varies. I. At one point, I was definitely cranking them out on a consistent basis of anywhere from two to three weeks. So the first year or two, I would say it's when I did most of my writing, I would say about 30 books. But lately, uh, it's taken me about six weeks to eight weeks to produce a book. And it's it's starting to get a little bit longer because I'm really – I'm trying to add more value. I'm trying to make the overall reading experience more enjoyable. So I'm really trying to put a lot more effort into it instead of just – writing a book, having an editor to look over it quickly and just getting out there. I've, I've really tried to create a whole more, a couple of editors, making sure it's formatted correctly. There's a lot of stuff I'm trying to add to it. So the short answer now is I would say for, for 2015, I'm looking to do anywhere from six to eight books. Okay. But I, you know, I, I enjoyed your books. I think your writing style is very easy to read. Um, it's not very taxing. It kind of doesn't, <laughs> doesn't ask too much of you, which for some people could be, I suppose it might be, I haven't read your negative reviews, but might be what they're commenting on. But actually, it is about who's your audience as well, right? And I think people follow your writing because you're a, you're an easy writer to read, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I try, and actually, I, I'll mention him again, but Leo Babauta, his Zen habits, he's a great writer with his simplicity. I just, uh, I could take a long swim in his writing because it just it's it's short punchy but it just it says so much with so little words it's just very economy of words i guess i, I from my understanding has a background in news news writing so he definitely has that experience i try to be slimmer where similar where i try to write in short words uh short paragraphs short sentences i just i like simplistic writing and I, I, I this is my opinion, but I find that people that really try using a lot of really long, fancy-sounding words, a lot of times it comes from a place where they feel like they have to prove how intelligent they are instead of trying to actually talk to your average person, try to explain something. I just I find simplistic writing enjoyable for myself, and I I like to think that people who read my book also enjoy it as well. But there's definitely a place for people who like really long explanations, and I, I've read a lot of really good books on habits of really get into the description of how habits work a lot of the mental stuff and they're very enjoyable but they're hard to digest you really, you really have to spend a lot of time and concentration reading this book so i try to be the opposite where i try explaining things in just real simplistic terms yeah absolutely so what's next for you in book terms what can we expect i'm trying to get into areas that i personally struggle with so one of the reasons i'm writing with barry davenport about decluttering is i 
I'm not a hoarder, but I definitely have accumulated stuff over the year. And in the last year, I've gotten rid of a lot of stuff. But I feel that I could get rid of a lot more stuff. I kind of want to get to the point where I just really have in my life only the essential stuff and remove everything else. So she's, she definitely is a good authority on that. So she's writing – she's actually writing the rough draft. I'm kind of going over it myself and applying the techniques into my own life. But um, next couple books about decluttering and uh, – actually, I really want to get an exercise book out there because I, I'm a marathon runner. I like my daily walks. I like just the idea of exercise on a consistent basis and – I kind of want to give that message out there that you don't have to do these crazy insanity or P90X or all these programs that make you think you have to go through this horrid uh, ritual every single day in order to keep in shape. You could do these simple exercises that add to your day without having to without having to compromise the rest of your life. So those are definitely the next couple books I want to get out there. And actually, I've done an overhaul of my financial situation, so I feel that's another book I kind of want to get out there. So. I'm kind of moving away towards productivity. I'm kind of exploring other simple habits I've implemented in my life and trying to talk about that. And I'm, I'm not too sure what direction that's going to lead me to, but I kind of want to get away from the, just the absolute productivity stuff because I feel I'm kind of beating a dead horse a lot of the material I'm covering. Yeah, well, I, but actually it is, well, as, as you said, it's still very related, isn't it? I mean, you know, what you're doing is now going into the specific habits um, and going into detail around those. But how do you... How do you deal with, uh, or what are your thought processes that you have when you when you think about going into, you know, potentially what's a crowded market? So if we took personal finances, for example, that's obviously a really crowded market. You're going to be sharing your take on it. What makes you comfortable that you've got something new to say, I suppose, or, you know, or do you have new, something new and it not matter? I, I don't have a good answer to that because the simple fact that I'm writing it with uh, Rebecca Livermore and we're actually meeting next week to talk about that very question. But to use that as an example, I would say I'm going to follow what I've done with everything else is I really want to figure out a small problem that I personally have solved. And I know Rebecca, uh, she's pretty good with money as well. So we target some sort of small problem that people have with personal finance and just really drill down to that one particular market. And I'm confident I'll at least get those initial sales as far as how the actual broader Amazon market will respond is really, I'm not sure. Uh, it's For me, a lot of times it seems like I know what I'm doing, but I'm just kind of just trying to do my best, put stuff out there and just let the world decide if it's good or not. But uh, see, yeah, I, I would say maybe for me, potentially money habits, but even that, just the idea of money habits, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking to myself that that is such a broad topic that... I feel that that almost can fall in the trap of just writing too much stuff and not being really precise. So yeah. I really want to make sure we have a concrete, what problem are we solving before we actually sit down and uh, put pen to paper. I always say pen to paper, but I never actually, besides my outline, I, it's more fingers to keyboard, but I just like pen to paper sounds more eloquent. Yeah. Well, it's like um, Tony Robbins wrote a money book recently, didn't it? 650 yes. pages. And the I big, do you read it? Wow. Holy Lord. He, he, I, I like Tony Robbins, but my lord, he definitely throws a lot of a lot of personal stories, and a lot of times I'm on my kid, I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's good, and he covers he covers a lot of stuff that I've and I've read a lot, and I've done a lot with my personal finances, but he covered a couple of things I've never heard about. So he, I commend him on a good job, but it is ver it is verb a lot of words. It's but that's he's not who a, he a, is, a right? Writer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never checked out one of his um, his live seminars, but I definitely he's he's a talker, and you could tell he's definitely a, a writer too, or 
who knows if he actually just spoke the words out and someone wrote it for him. But I know he's a busy guy. I can't imagine him sitting down writing 600 uh, some <laughs> no. odd words but, or 600 some odd pages. But yeah, yeah that's, it's a big book. It's a big book. And it, it's because I was actually quite interested in it. But I just I just thought I, I don't have the patience to kind of flip through it and find the nuggets, to be honest. It's good. I, I would recommend that it, it, it provides a really good overview of what you should be doing in general with your personal finance and how, how to actually, because I'm at that point now, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how to actually invest this stuff without losing my shirt. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to be really smart and really particular about how I actually do stuff instead of just, because there's always that the 2010, or yeah, it was 2008, 2009 with the, the whole everything crashing. I, I want to make sure that Yes, you, if you leave your money and eventually it'll go back up. But I'm trying to figure out what's long term, what's actually short term, what's middle. It, it's yeah, once you get into personal finance, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. And I've sort of realized how in depth a lot of personal finance stuff is. Yeah. But I just find my from my own personal experience, or probably what my book would end up being, or the one I'm writing with Rebecca, is the idea of just sim- simplicity and ignore the people. I, I'm going to hate on them a little bit, but the, ignore the Jim Cramers of the world with his horns and sirens and you have to invest in timing the market and all that stuff that really is nonsense i want to kind of emphasize the point that just filter out those people that are really just they make money by talking about how to make money so yeah. it's kind of a long long response to your original question but yeah that's kind of what i'm up to so um self-publishing question show what do you what's that tell us a bit more about that yeah, the idea here is i did have that established platform people are asking me questions all the time over email so I really wanted to figure out how to actually leverage what people are asking me anyway and put it into a place where people can learn from all the questions I get. So it's just really people either calling the show through a SpeakPipe, that's just uh, speakpipe.com uh, forward slash SPQ. They either call into the show, just leave a quick voicemail, or they just write me an email, and I'll just spend an entire episode just focusing on that one question. And uh, yeah, so far it's been it's been great because it's really – I really feel that the actual questions themselves, when you compile a whole show around it, it really covers a variety of topics. And what I want to do in the future, I'm actually uh, going to Africa in February, but after I get back from Africa, I want to actually start getting other people involved I know are really knowledge experts in self-publishing as well. And every time there's a question that I personally really couldn't help people with as well as someone else, I'll ask them to do the same. What they Hopefully they'll agree to it, just leave a quick five to ten minute response to whatever question is and I'll give them full credit, links back to the website, that sort of thing. But the idea is I really want to create a pretty much a database of everything everything to do with self-publishing in one central location. So that's kind of my long-term 2016 goal is just to have that database of all this good knowledge out there. Cool. So books, self-publishing, and is that is that it? Yeah. Surely I'm... there's more, Steve. No, I <laughs> – Eventually, actually, I have. Uh, I'm looking up over my laptop at my 2015 goals. Remove me from business. So eventually, yeah. I want to streamline things where I'm not doing everything. Like I want to focus on content creations. So I I've, I've tend to do a lot of stuff myself. I want to get my VA handling all that stuff and publish information product. So those are my three goals: is the podcast, uh, information product, in what market? I'm not really sure, but and then just remove remove me from the business. So. I guess that's my 2015 goal is what I'm focused on lately. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us. Um, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best place for them to go? I would say just go to Um 
there's an email splash page on the front and there's a little link and click. If you want to join my emails, just click the little link at the bottom and you can get to the content and stuff. Or if you listen to Stitcher or iTunes, just type in self-publishing questions and you can find it there. And Twitter or Facebook, did you go to either of those? Uh, I'm bad with the Twitters and the Facebook. Uh, I, I'll just be honest. I, just, I find for me from – actually, I should have covered that in Entrepreneur. So social media can be a huge time sink. So really only do it if you're prepared to do it on a daily basis and commit to it. I just I find that I do respond back to people, but sometimes the response could be any, a response could be anywhere from an hour to a week. So it's usually better just to go through the podcast or just email me directly. I, just, I respond to emails email and questions on my blog but the, the twitters and the facebook I'm, I'm bad with brilliant and the the books that we've mentioned on the show are um habit stacking the mm -hmm. what's the entrepreneur one called i'm sorry the daily entrepreneur and it's a really long subtitle it's i forget myself it's 33 habits <laughs> i really i do i write these books sometimes i forget the titles of my own books which is terrible i know the main title but yes that's the daily entrepreneur just look for daily entrepreneur by sj scott that's fantastic and and i do recommend uh i do recommend um steve's books i think there's a lot of really good stuff in there even if some of it is potentially outdated i found the the books on um writing and headlines fantastic so thank you again i really appreciate it and uh and i hope everybody's enjoyed the show oh thank you